Hello tribe and welcome to another episode of the Faye Jones Life Podcast. This is your host Faye Jones and for today's podcast we are talking about identifying healthy and unhealthy relationships in our lives. So what inspired this podcast? Well, you know, I I got myself to thinking really about a season in my life where I was completely depressed, I was suicidal, uh, frustrated, resentful, I had bitterness, I felt betrayed, and it really got me thinking like, wow, you know, God, it's amazing how I, I don't feel that way anymore. What changed? And in my dialogue with God, that's where, you know, he brought to my remembrance that the people that I associated with during that season, I no longer associate with now. And so how I was feeling was not only the results of unhealed trauma, but also of the people that I was associating with. The people were feeding that trauma and keeping me in a toxic cycle. And, and and so that's when this kind of thing came on. And then having an experience earlier this week really zeroed in, you know, that this was the right podcast to do for today. So here we are getting this podcast done. And what are you going to learn in this podcast? I'm going to show you what are some of the characteristics of unhealthy relationships? What are the characteristics of healthy relationships? Not only am I going to give you what those characteristics are for each one, but I want to give you some examples of it so that you can understand. I am going to share a resource that helped me tremendously to really hone this in and grasp it and I'm going to give you some warnings because as you're listening to this podcast today and your eyes open up to like oh my god I may you know you'll you'll realize like oh my god I am just surrounded by unhealthy relationships all the way around I don't have any healthy relationships and and if that's you and you realize that or you realize that maybe you are the one that's being unhealthy around other people don't be so quick to put everybody on the chopping block because there's another layer to this and and I'll get to that at that part I don't want to get ahead of myself but there's another layer to all of this so with that said let's go ahead and dive into the characteristics of unsafe people now unsafe people or unhealthy people for our lives are are people that have exhibited behaviors and had and attitudes that hinder our emotional well-being and our growth. And and I would dare to say not just emotional, but literally in every aspect of our lives, they hinder growth and they hinder well-being. And so I want to go ahead and um and give you the caveat for this. These are not one-time offenders. Because understand, none of us are perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to stick our foot in our mouth. We're going to do errors. These are people who over a period of time, they're consistent repeat offenders. And these are people that you have addressed this issue with. You've had conversations about it. You've set boundaries. And they keep doing it. These are the unhealthy people, unhealthy relationships for your life. So the first one is the self-centered person. And this is the person who prioritizes their own needs and desires over everybody else's, lacking any empathy or consideration for anybody else involved. That could be something as simple as the person at work who's always stealing everybody's lunch and doesn't bring their own or the person who 
always wants to go out to eat, but they want you to pay for everything every single time. They don't even want to pitch in on the tip. Um, the person that always wants everybody to do what they want to do, say, you know, hey, let's go out this weekend. And you guys want to go out and the person will refuse to go out or doesn't want to do anything or makes everybody feel horrible if the activity that's being done is not the activity that they like or they want. So for instance, somebody who likes golfing, so every time there's a get together between friends, they want to go golfing, but you guys go golfing because that's your friend and you want to be supportive of that person, but one of you likes bowling and the other one, you guys are, you know, like playing arcades. So you see what I mean? It's, there can't be this self-centeredness where everything revolves around what one person likes and enjoys, but never around what anybody else likes or needs. They lack empathy and Understand that empathy does not mean condoning bad behavior because it is important to to make that caveat because some people translate empathy to, well, if you were empathetical with me, you would let me do this. But what they're what they're asking is for you to, to consent to bad actions and bad behavior. That's not empathy. That's called codependency. And that that is essentially an enabler you're enabling that person to continue in their back actions and have zero consequences for what they're doing so that is definitely not what we're talking about here empathy means you're putting yourself in that person's shoes and you're understanding their situation you can identify with what they're thinking, what they're going through. And you're not being dismissive of their reality, their situation. You see how in no way, shape, or form this is not condoning bad behavior. Because if after doing all that, like you can understand, but like, like for instance, somebody who is upset and angry because somebody else hurt their feelings. And you can understand, you know, how that was hurtful and everything that person said was hurtful. But then that person says, I'm going to go tonight and I'm going to slash that person's tire and I'm going to wait till they get out of work and I'm going to beat them up. Um, I don't care how, you know, how wrong the other person was. That is not a good behavior to condone. And frankly, if they engage in that behavior, even after you advise not to, I'll be the first one calling the cops. I'll be the first one saying, no, you know, this person's about to do something really stupid. I think you need to be at this place at this time in case this person decides to act on it or warn the other person. Empathy does not mean enablement. In this, in the story. And, and from a, a kingdom mindset, the, the constitution of the kingdom of heaven, which is the Bible, tells us in Philippians 2, 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So we have, we, we have to give room. Imagine, you know, in a marriage, or in a dating relationship, if everything is always about what one person wants and never any consideration for what the other person wants, and there's never any consideration for the consequences and repercussions that those wants may have, not just on the relationship, but maybe even the finances, the stability of the household, etc., that's self-centered. And that means... That's an unhealthy person, unhealthy relationship. Number two, a person who's manipulative. An unhealthy person will use deception. They can also become cunning in order to control another person. And 
they can also result as low as to trying to exploit another person. And the thing is that everything is always for their own gain. So, if you're dealing with somebody who will use flattery, they, they, see, cause flattery and compliments can very easily be confused. And this is why you have to, we have to heal. This was one area that I had to work on tremendously, guys. I am not here to pretend like I'm this almighty person that has it all together and who has never had hardships or issues to work out in their lives because I'm far from that. I'm just a person who has gone through the process and now I am sharing the journey with you so that I can empower you to make better choices so that you don't have to go through the stuff that I had to go through because without deviating from from the topic at hand today guys you have to understand that at one point I was so depressed and so suicidal I had to voluntarily check myself in to a psychiatric hospital because I couldn't trust myself and being in that psychiatric hospital if any of you have ever been hospitalized in one it's not pretty um because I was just there because I was feeling suicidal and depressed but I still had you know my mental faculties pretty well but you're in there with people who are dealing with schizophrenia multiple personality disorders and other issues where their mind is really gone and I had to share a room with a person who was schizophrenic and who was having all kinds of hallucinations and stuff and so it wasn't pretty so I'm sharing all of this with you because if you don't have to go there let's avoid that let's instead start analyzing situations making the changes getting the help we need getting into coaching or therapy to heal those wounds and overcome with some of the challenges so it's important to have a really good self-esteem in order to avoid attracting unhealthy relationships because down to the core of it that was part of the issue the reason why for a season in my life i was surrounded by all kinds of unhealthy relationships unhealthy people and i didn't and i didn't have any healthy relationships around me which is the reason why i was so emotionally bankrupt was i had not seen my own worth uh, my self-esteem was through the ground and when i started doing that that personal development getting into therapy working on my mindset identifying where the lies that were keeping me in a low self-esteem came from then i was able to to thrive i was able to very quickly identify those unhealthy relationships i gave them all the benefit of the doubt i i confronted in in with knowing love i confronted the situation and it didn't change so then i made the choice to remove myself from their lives and be like you know you and i are not going to have anything to do anymore and and that's that's an important step you have to have the courage to be able to do that and and since doing that my life has been amazing i don't have anybody bringing me chaos and drama and situations that weigh me down and i'm very quick to set boundaries so you see a person who's manipulative they don't really care about you they don't they don't care about you a person who can use deception can be cunning in order to control and can exploit you for their gain does not care about you the only thing that person cares about is themselves and their end result and that manipulation and that self-centeredness you know w without going into 
you know, too many details can also be telltale signs that you may be dealing with a person who's narcissistic or has narcissistic traits. So not every person who exhibits that is narcissistic or has narcissistic traits, but it's important to, to keep an eye out for that. So if you're realizing a pattern where the person is like laying it thick with the flattery and the compliments, trying to make you feel really good, and then they deliver the punchline, and after it's all said and done, you realize that once again, they took advantage of you and manipulated you, then, you know, that relationship needs to end. Number one, it, it's a very unhealthy person, but number two, because you need to work on healing on yourself so that you don't continue to cave in and give in to people who come in with that manipulation or that self-centeredness. Um Un unreliable people and these are people who are inconsistent and unpredictable often breaking promises and failing to meet commitments and again we need to to be careful with this one because one time occurrence you know sometimes things happen sometimes people make a commitment and something comes up like, for instance, you know, somebody gets sick or whatever, and they just cannot make it. That's one thing. But if the person is constantly saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this thing for you, and I'm going to do that for you, and then they never deliver, and they make excuses as to why they did not deliver, then you know that that's not a, health, that's not a healthy relationship, that's not a healthy person to be around. That person, it doesn't even have integrity with themselves, literal less with somebody else. Um, you know, uh, Proverbs 25, uh, 19, um, talks about this. Um, and it uses the word trusting a treacherous man in times of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. And that, and that is that word treacherous, it means a person who is guilty of or involving in betrayal and deception. Synonyms for that word include unfaithful, false hearted, backstabbing, double crossing, two faced, untrustworthy, fickle, undependable rebellious, a person who's treasonous. Hmm. Those are some pretty big words. So trusting a person who has a history of being unfaithful, deceitful, fake, two-faced, untrustworthy, fickle. The, this is a sign. You don't want to trust these kind of people. And that's what an unreliable, inconsistent, and unpredictable person is. Because this is a person who will do what they have to do to get what they want, but they'll flip on you at any moment. And one one thing that this could be is like somebody who's embezzling from a company. You could hire them to work for you, and they're 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 working for you, but they're stealing money from you at the same time, and 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 lying about it until you catch them because you reconcile the books and you realize, oh, this person's been stealing a lot. Um, you realize that this person was an unreliable person. So that is something, uh, another person that if you notice there's a pattern of that, don't even get into the relationship to begin with. But if you're already in that relationship, whether it's a friend or, or boyfriend or work relationship or anything like that, you need to set some boundaries and exit that relationship. Um, going back really quick to self-centered and manipulative, because this is something really important. People who project their feelings onto you. So like, for instance, um, you, you say, man, you know, it's not complaining, but you're just like, man, I'm really tired today. My job has had me working, you know, 70 hours a week for the last, you know, six months with no break. And I'm just I'm really exhausted. And that person 
comes off to you and says, well, at least you have a job. Don't be ungrateful. That right there, that is self-centered and manipulative. Because let's say that person lost their job. And so they lashed out their bitterness about losing their job onto you, trying to manipulate you emotionally and make you feel guilty for what they don't have. And that is completely wrong because it is safe to say that anyone who's worked 70 hours in one week knows that that's a lot of hours and you really do feel exhausted. And if you've been pulling that for multiple months straight, it doesn't matter how thankful you are for your job, how happy you are for that income, physically, emotionally, mentally, in your relationships, that kind of a pull consistently without taking a break to rest and to reconnect with your relationships will take its toll. So anybody that's trying to project on you who so that you could feel ashamed of a very reasonable statement that is not intended to be a complaint but just a matter of fact reality is also an unhealthy person in an unhealthy relationship and that has to be addressed because they're operating under manipulation and self-centeredness and they're also operating under number four which is being critical and judgmental because they just pass a judgment on you and they respond very harshly to you without um without any regards to actually analyzing the situation and putting it into context. See, critical and judgmental people are overcritical and harsh, causing harm and discouragement instead of growth. And, uh, you know, it, it's very interesting because that word critical is is essentially stating that the person is disapproving um they're denouncing you they're fault finding they are painting you unfavorable and uh and castigatory which means they're trying to punish you and they they can be also very condemning. And this is very interesting because when a person presents themselves to be uh very, you know, condemning, uh disapproving of you, being very disparaging of you, negative, painting you unfavorable, all of these things, you know, that 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 type of person, if if that's all you hear all the time and that's all that person can do is always provide criticism and judgment, you know, you're you're gonna get discouraged, uh, and it's gonna make you stagnant. And it's also gonna birth in a feeling of resentment and 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 bitterness towards that person and even towards yourself. Because you're gonna start taking that criticism and that judgment and you're going to turn it inward and you're going to start judging and criticizing yourself and that's that's very unhealthy you know uh james chapter 4 11 and 12 you know talks about that so you know even the kingdom is is giving us principles like hey don't 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 do this you know it says don't speak evil against one another the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and one judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And that word judge in the scriptures it's specifically using though it's specifically addressing the act of condemning because 
You see, a judgmental and critical person is not judging an action or behavior. Because one thing is to judge an action or a behavior. I can tell you very clearly, stealing is bad. Murder is bad. It doesn't matter who does it, what their intentions were, stealing and murder will always be bad. That's me passing a judgment on a behavior or an action. And both the Bible as well as our earthly law here on this earth both say the same thing. It doesn't matter who the person is, if you steal or you murder, that is bad. And there's going to be consequences for that. And society as a whole favors that those individuals have consequences because the consensus as a society is that those actions are wrong. But you see, a critical or a judgmental person is not looking at actions and deeming whether an action is wrong. The person that's critical or judgmental sees a poor action or behavior from a person and automatically deems and makes a permanent decision, which is what condemning is, makes a permanent decision about the worthiness or unworthiness of a person. And it deems that that person is unredeemable and unworthy of forgiveness or a second chance. That is why, you see, the descriptor here says, when you judge your brother, you turn into the law. And that's why it also says, but who are you to judge your neighbor when there's only one lawgiver? As kingdom citizens, the lawgiver is the Heavenly Father. And it's already been given in our Constitution. Romans tells us to look at the actions of a person and condemn the action. And it tells us to tell our brothers and sisters, hey, these things that you're doing are not becoming of you or of the kingdom, which you say to represent. You're going to have to make a choice. If you represent the kingdom as you say you do, the kingdom of God, then these behaviors need to change. And I'm here to help you in everything I can, but I've got to hold you accountable. You must stop doing this. But if you say, if not, and you're of the kingdom of darkness, I mean, that's your choice. But you must decide which kingdom are, are you going to be a part of. You can't say you're of the kingdom of God and then do behavior that's completely different from that of the kingdom of God. And one of the reasons why it is so clearly stated that no human has the ability to judge somebody's worthiness, somebody's ability to be forgiven or to be given a second chance, and we don't even have the ability to question somebody's salvation, period, is because we didn't make the rules. We didn't make the rules. We don't get to see what's in a person's heart. We don't get to see how a person lives their everyday lives. We don't know what that person's relationship is with God. The only thing we can do is judge the behavior. And the Constitution of the Kingdom tells us that if we see somebody that's behaving badly, we can warn them and bring it to their attention. And then if they choose to continue to behave badly after multiple warnings, then we need to separate ourselves from that person, not as a punishment, but so that we don't become in the danger of now all of a sudden starting to adopt that person's behavior and it starts to change us into tolerating and accepting things that are not becoming of the kingdom of which we're ambassadors of. So, if a person comes around and all they do is criticize and judge, criticize and judge, and everybody else has a problem 
but them. And let me tell you this, because this shows up in social media a lot. People who are completely silent. They don't talk to you. They don't message you. They don't call you. Nothing. They could be completely zero contact, zero conversations for months, even years. And then all of a sudden, you type two commas instead of one, and they're in your post. You need to check your grammar and correct that. You type two commas instead of one. That person has no interest in being in a relationship with you. That person only has one interest, themselves. They just want to seem right by pointing out your faults and failures. But let you point out one of theirs. You point out one of their faults and failures, and now all of a sudden, they're like, don't judge. The Bible says not to judge. Or they'll come out with cute little quotes like, and they'll start putting quotes like, you know, a queen doesn't tell another queen that their crown is crooked. They just straighten it up. And things like that. You know what I mean? And I know I'm making funny voices when I say this because I want you to realize that that's how pity it is. And it is true. We shouldn't be picking at other people's faults. We shouldn't be, you know, being harsh with people and, and, and constantly pointing out people's faults. In fact, if somebody has made a mistake, if somebody is doing something wrong, the right thing to do is to address it with them privately. Privately. However, there are people that choose to do everything publicly. They choose to show their foolishness publicly. They choose to spew their judgment and criticism publicly. So then publicly they must be addressed. It's not the best way to do it. Sometimes you're forced to do it that way. You don't have a choice. But I'm telling you right now, people who are critical and judgmental, you don't want them in your life. It doesn't mean you you shouldn't have the thick skin to receive constructive criticism or correction because you should. You need to. But people who are just nitpicking to find any kind of fault to jump on you over, but they don't have a relationship with you, they don't try to build a relationship with you, they just come around to let you have it and then they take off, those people are unhealthy relationships. You don't want them in your life. Because what's going on is that person is a very insecure person and they're getting a power trick and a boost of their ego and a release of dopamine when they go around policing everybody else. And that, for a moment, makes them feel good, makes them feel empowered, makes them feel on top of the world, makes them feel like they're less of a person. But when that dopamine wears off, they're back to feeling crappy about themselves, low self-esteem again. So what does their brain signal them to do? You need to find somebody else to criticize and judge. You need to find somebody else to find their faults. And brain is doing that in order to avoid the responsibility of finding the faults within themselves and addressing the issues that are causing the low self-esteem because it's much easier to get a quick dopamine fix than it is to deal with the issues. And when you see these individuals, these are individuals that because they're so critical and judgmental, they'll often say, oh, well, you know, nobody likes me. Nobody wants to be around me. I no longer have any friends. You know, everybody treats me like crap. They're all just jealous. Boo, if that's you, I'm going to tell you right now. Nobody's jealous of you. People just don't want to be mistreated. And if you're constantly critical and judgmental, you're going to push people away. Because people don't want somebody around them who's constantly going to be scrutinizing everything they do and pointing out every single little fault that's in them. Nobody wants that. We're not built for that. We also need encouragement. We also need space to, to, to make mistakes. You understand what I'm saying? 
poor boundaries. That's number five. Unsafe people struggle with respecting the boundaries of others. They're constantly overstepping their role and failing to accept responsibility for that change. This is another big one because everybody has boundaries. We all have boundaries. We all have limits. A person who, who, and this again happens a lot in social media, but it happens in everyday life. Period. You know, you've got the, the, the family member who will go to your house and tell you, oh, you know, you should move this over here. You need to do this like that. You need to do that like that. And that doesn't look like that's ugly. And they start rearranging your house and moving your furniture. And you're like, excuse me, you don't live here. Or the person who's always telling you how to raise your child because you're doing it wrong. Even when you're not and you didn't ask for that their advice or opinion or input. And they're not doing it out of a place of love either. They're not doing it out of a place of like, hey, man, I really care about you. And I'm observing these patterns that are going to be detrimental or they're going to hurt you. So I'm concerned. And so this is why I'm addressing this with you. No, they're just coming out of a place of I am better than you. I know more than you. So you need to just do what I say, period. And forget what you think because your opinion doesn't matter because I'm better. I'm the authority on this. And so they will overstep their boundaries, completely disregard their roles in order to enforce their things. Uh, they, They also are not very good at accepting responsibility. So when something is their responsibility, they're very quick to be like, oh, no, I didn't. You know, that that wasn't on me. You said you were going to do that. Even though, it, you know, you have a recording and several emails where that person is stating, that is my responsibility, I will do. You need, you need to, these, these kind of relationships, people that are boundaryless, that refuse to, to work on boundaries, and keep in mind, it's not that we have to set super hard, harsh boundaries with people, because we also don't want to create an environment where we're completely unapproachable. But there's just some boundaries that need to be set. Look, I'm the type of person, I set very clear boundaries, especially with critical people. If we're not in a relationship in any way, shape, or form where it's intimate, you don't get to speak to me about my life, my business, or anything else. And yes, it's important to have people in your life so you know, like one thing is to say like, hey, you know what, heads up, you know, this person is not a very good person. You should be cautious of that. And and that's one thing. But when a person's coming up to you and saying, you should run your business like this, like this, and like that. And you need to do this with your children and this and this and this and that. And, you know, you need to do this with your marriage and this and this and that. But they're not um, they're not in relationship with you. And you know that what they're saying is completely off. And it's not coming. And, and discernment is telling you that that's not coming from a place of love or rather just a pure judgment and them trying to elevate themselves to appease their self-righteousness, nah, you got to set boundaries with those people. Be like, you don't get to do that. You don't get to come on my turf and do these things. And and this is important because you let enough people like this in your life, they will completely deviate you from your purpose. Now, when we'll get into this later, you do need people who will bring correction to you. We we all need that. We all need, like, you know, my mentor, Danny Johnson, would say, everyone needs an editor. We all need correction at some point. We all need guidance. But you must consider who that correction and the guidance is coming from. What is your report with that person? Because some people are trying to be everybody's editor and everybody's check, but they have no report. I'm not going to go to somebody's page and tell them off or, or tell them what they need to fix about their lives. 
because it's not my responsibility to do so unless God tells me to. And if God tells me to do it, I'm not going to do it publicly on the page. I'm going to try to get a hold of him on the phone and say, hey, you know, I don't know what's going on in your life, but, you know, God led me to contact you and share this with you. Does that resonate with you? And if that person says, no, you're you're off completely, I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to disrespect you or overstep my boundary. And I learned from that. And if the person says, wow, God really does speak to you, that does resonate with me. Because as a matter of fact, I'm going through this and this right now. Okay, now that just opened up the door for communication, where now we're able to talk more about it. If God gives me anything else or any more advice for that person, I can share that with them and help that person get some guidance so that they can overcome that situation in their lives. But you gotta give the person dignity. You gotta, you gotta respect the boundaries. We, I, I can't just go in there and act all high and mighty and completely disregard another person's lives and disrespect them and their, their dignity and their role and their influence in front of others just because I feel entitled to do so. These are all things. And this is especially dangerous because people will pour boundaries, will even destroy your marriage because they will go and tell, you know, you know, a spouse, oh, well, that you just need to do this and this and this and this and tell this to your husband or tell this to your wife. They're no good for you. You need to leave them and stuff like that. And there are circumstances when yeah, that boundary should be crossed. For instance, if somebody's getting abused and their life is in danger, please cross the boundary and say, look, I don't care that we're not in a relationship, that we don't know each other. This person's beating you up. Open your eyes. One day he's going, that beating's going to go too far. You're going to end up in the hospital or dead. Get out. But a dispute over somebody, you know, leaving the socks in the middle of the hallway instead of putting it in the hamper, that is none of your business. The best thing you could do for that marriage is pray for them. And if you don't have any constructive advice that would help them overcome that without tearing them apart, keep your mouth shut. And if you have people in your life who are poisoning you by siding with you when you're upset over things that maybe they should be calling you out on because you're you're overreacting you need to get rid of those people because those people are going to sabotage and destroy every relationship and every good thing you have in your life when in reality all that's needed is a little more communication and understanding and learning how to choose your battles because a dirty sock in the middle of the hallway or uncapped toothpaste are no reasons to start World War III in a marriage. There's, there's no reason for that. Restraint to change. That's number six. And wow, I'm, I'm looking at the time and I realize that this is going to have to be a part two because if not, we're going to be on this podcast for several hours. And I don't want to do that. So definitely this podcast is going to be a part one and part two. Um, but resistance to change. These unhealthy people are the ones who refuse to acknowledge their fault and they refuse to work on self-improvement. They're stagnating in their growth. So one example I can give you, and it's very common. A person who it's constantly having misunderstandings because of their style of communication. Because maybe they're a little rough and they say the first thing that comes to mind without thinking about how it's going to come out and how, how it's going, and how it's going to be, you know, received. And so they just go on and say it. And now they're, they're just constantly like, you know, that's why I don't say anything because you people just, always misinterpret what I said darn it this is the way I talk you just need to understand that this is the way I talk we understand that you have a style of communication that you learned 
But obviously, if that style of communication is not effective and is actually causing more problems than it is benefits, then that is a moment for you to stop, reevaluate your communication style, and realize that that communication style is ineffective and that you need to learn a new way of communicating. Maybe it's because you speak in slang or ebonics or you use a lot of cuss words. Well, maybe you need to learn to expand your vocabulary. And, and look, there's nothing wrong with that. I've, look, English is my second language. So the English that you hear me speaking now where I can use, you know, big words and I can write with big words and all of these things, was not the English I started with. And like anybody else who comes into a new country, the first thing you learn is the slang. And and for a while, my English was full. It was very, very improper. And then considering the fact that in my teenage years, I, I went into, you know, I was associated, you know, with gangs and, and all these things. You know, the language in a gangbanger is not, you know, uh, Shakespeare. You. It's foul. So there was a season in my life where my language was extremely foul and offensive. And I had to relearn how to speak properly and how not to be foul. And that meant I had to expose myself to other things to improve my language and my vocabulary. So... I knew that if I wanted to get ahead in life, if I wanted to be taken seriously, I needed to make some changes in my life. I couldn't continue to talk like a Neanderthal or or how a potty mouth worse than a sailor because it was going to be a pudding and in certain places it wasn't going to be accepted. So I would be limiting myself to certain places and certain levels because of my ability to communicate. So I started taking that seriously. I, instead of reading poorly written content like gossip columns and blogs by people that are trash talking, you know what? I started reading and listening to personal development. People who spoke beautifully and who inspired me. And I'm, and I have no shame in my game. I'm going to tell you right now, one of those people that I admire greatly because of their ability to speak is Bishop T.D. Jakes. If you hear him speak, if you hear him write, I mean, if you read his writing, the man has a beautiful way to use language. Another person who inspired me greatly was Maya Angelou. This was a woman who went from not wanting to speak at all because of a trauma that she had experienced to all of a sudden speaking and writing and using language in such a beautiful way. And granted, I don't consider myself to be at their level. I still have a lot to learn from them. But my goodness, am I light years away from where I used to be. I had to accept the reality of my life and begin to change. I had to take accountability and acknowledge my faults and work on that self-improvement. So we ourselves need to make sure we're not unhealthy people that are going to keep people stuck and stagnant. But we also need to make sure that if we have somebody like this in our lives and they're refusing to change, then we need to distance ourselves from those kind of relationships because they're going to hold us back and keep us stuck. You ever been around somebody who cusses a lot? What happened? Eventually you start cussing. If you're around somebody who's constantly doing lewd jokes, what's going to happen eventually? You're going to be doing lewd jokes too. Unfortunately, the bad habits rub off a lot quicker than the good habits. So you want to be around people who who have good healthy habits. They have a good, healthy relationship with God, with themselves, and with others. And that's going to do massive improvements for yourself, but also um, in your relationships with others. 
people who lack accountability and and these kind of unhealthy people are people who avoid taking responsibility for their own actions and instead they blame and deflect on others so it's never their fault it's always your fault they cussed you out because you did this they choose to be unkind to people because of that one time in the playground in 1952 where Ricky Bobby was mean. These kind of people, again, that avoid taking responsibility for their actions and they blame it on others are unhealthy relationships. And you want to avoid them. You want to avoid them. Address it with that person a few times, but if, the, you know, the biggest thing about all this is when you set these boundaries, you have to give them some time because they're not going to change overnight, you know. But let's say you've been giving, to, you know, one, two, three, four, five years, and, you know, and, and I think that's a little excessive, four or five years. But, you know, you're given a reasonable amount of time, and there is no improvement. Those behaviors don't change, and they keep doing it, then reevaluate that relationship. Uh, unsupportive people these are people who are indifferent or unsupportive during times of struggle and they lack empathy and understanding i have one caveat on this about unsupportive people because sometimes we complain and, and i've been guilty of this oh like people are not supportive of me but there's times that people haven't been supportive of me because I've been too prideful to even acknowledge that I need support. And rather than reaching out and telling people like, hey, man, I need some help with this. I need some support in this. I want to do it all on my own. And nobody has a magic crystal ball that can identify when you're struggling or going through something. So sometimes it's going to take some vulnerability to reach out and say, hey, you know, I'm going through something, you know. I need some support, I need some prayer, you know, you have any advice, I just need somebody to talk to, those kind of things, you know. But if you're doing all of that and you still have people who are only willing to be around you when things are good, but when when you're down and out, look, they forget you exist, they lose your number, or they block you, they act like your, your number no one's Not meaning, not down and out as in you were mean and disrespectful to them because that's a completely different thing. But let's say, for instance, you lost your job. And now that person adopted an attitude. I'm not friends with people who are jobless. Call me back when you actually have a job and then we can be friends again. There's people that actually have that kind of attitude. And it may show up in, in other in other ways too. Uh people who when they're going to a struggle, they expect you to drop everything to be there for them, to help them, to give them advice, but they can't be bothered to pick up the phone for you when you call, when you're in need. They can't reciprocate. You don't want to be with these people. Because these unsupportive people are in a way going back to to the first couple ones you know they're they're self-centered they're unreliable and they're probably walking in that you know criticism and judgment um another type of person you don't want to be around is a person that's untrustworthy and untrustworthy we, we all know what that word means but i want to expand a little bit more is because you've already you may have already seen that person in action, a person who's really quick to gossip about others, struggles to maintain confidentiality. So they'll be divulging very personal information about a person simply because they, they're hot-headed with that person, and betrays the trust of others. And for some instance, it could be, you know, like they were, and I'm just making up names, like, like, Jojo and TT were friends. I don't know anybody named Jojo or TT. If you do, I don't know them. But Jojo and TT were friends. And, you know, TT confided in Jojo and said, you know, Jojo, 
I am so embarrassed and so ashamed of this, but you know, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, I was having a really hard time and I was strapped for cash and I, I didn't, I don't even know what got into me. I should have just asked for help, but I didn't want anybody to know what I was struggling with. So I went to a strip club and I got a job for one night and I danced on holes to, to, to get the and at the time, JoJo's like, Titi, why didn't you tell me you were struggling? Like, you know, girl, I could have helped you. You didn't have to go that route, you know, but I'm glad you're telling me now. I'm here for you. Girl, you never got to go through that again. You know, they're talking that really good talk. And then all of a sudden, you know, one day, JoJo and Titi are out, and JoJo is disrespectful to a waiter, and Titi says Jojo. They're they're Titi's addressing this with Jojo in the car. It's like, you know, Jojo, the way you treated that waiter was wrong, man. Like, you know, don't don't talk to people like that. These people are just doing their job and you were a little harsh with that. And now Jojo's like, Who you think you are to tell me what to do? And then Jojo goes on social media and blasts Titi. I don't know why you're telling me how not to treat a waiter when you're a hoe over there pole dancing for money. Why am I saying this? Because I've seen it a million times. I've seen it a million times. And people have even tried to play that card with me because they knew that, you know, that I was a gangbanger and that before I met the Lord, well, hey, you know, I, 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 I had sex before marriage. Ooh, super sinful. I'm not trying to downplay it or anything like that, but these people try to use that against me. But here's the beauty about it. I'm, I'm very transparent. I have no shame in telling you before I met God, yeah, I was in gangs. Yeah, I was involved in sexual immorality and fornication. I didn't do everything right in my life. But then God got a hold of me. And God started working in my life. And today, I'm a completely different person than who I was before. But I don't deny the wrongdoing that I've done. Because, you know what? Actually, I don't mind telling people where I used to be. Because I'm so far away from that person that I used to be that when people look at me now, they're like, there's just no way that you could, there's no way you could have been that person. I can't even see that in you. And I'm able to tell that person, you're not supposed to be able to see that because that's the work that God does. When the kingdom gets in you, it transforms you and it turns you into a completely different person. And now you don't resemble the kingdom of darkness, but you resemble the kingdom of heaven. We are, I have the mind of Christ. I don't longer have a depraved mind. So, yeah, I'm going to think different. I'm going to behave different. I'm going to look at life different. We're supposed to transform. Now, if I was still behaving and dressing and looking in the same way that I was before, and believe me, I didn't change my dress code just because I became a Christian. God changed my heart first, and then my dress code changed. Nobody could impose that in me. As my heart changed, everything about me changed. But when you have untrustworthy people who one minute they're there for you, and oh, you can confide on me, you can tell, and then they grab those things and try to weaponize it against you. Those are untrustworthy people, don't use them. And one really easy way to tell an untrustworthy person is who's at the table talking about others, who's gossiping, and that person who's gossiping and, and spreading stuff about other people, stay far away from that person. You don't confide in them, they're not in your inner circle, they are. Up healthy people and it will lead to a very unhealthy relationship that will bring you a lot of grief and heartache lastly for this podcast because i still need to go over the characteristics of healthy people and and we also need to go over uh, about things to look for before you take people to the chopping block and i don't want to like skip this out but i don't want to make this episode super long so like I said, we're going to do part two, but for this last point is people who avoid conflict, they shy away from difficult conversations and conflicts 
leading to unresolved issues and resentment. And it's um it's very important that we define conflict in this situation because you know a lot of people when they hear the word conflict they think it's always negative they always think it's it's a fight uh but it's conflict is you know actually just having a a serious disagreement it doesn't always have to turn into shouting matches and hostility or quarreling or anything like that if there's a disagreement that's escalating and it's starting to create friction to such a point that it can escalate into a fallout before it gets to that point where you are at a complete full meltdown and a fallout and you're engaging into a war words and now that leads to unresolved issues and you're resentful and bitter towards each other there needs to be that conflict that means we need to have those difficult conversations there's a wrong way and a right way to have difficult conversations but they they need to be had if you keep sliding them under the rug it's not going to get better and in the same way that we need to avoid this pitfall of avoiding difficult conversations because we don't want to be in conflict or anything like that we we can't have relationships with people who are unwilling to have the difficult conversations because the fruit of difficult conversations is connection a more intimate relationship and a stronger bond because in those difficult conversations they may not always be pretty but you come to understand each other you come to forgive each other you you come to learn how to overcome difficulties communicate better you learn how to correct your behaviors that you have with one another and these are all very important things for any relationship it doesn't matter what kind of relationship it is we need to have this the key is we need to avoid being disrespectful to each other while we're having those difficult conversations there's no need to insult another person in order to have a difficult conversation and and that's the difference but if the person never wants you know wants to pretend like everything's always peachy and anytime you need to have a difficult conversation because something's seriously going on and they're just not doing that or they're just passive aggressive with you and then this is a perfect example where let's say that you know think your friendship is good and there's nothing wrong with that friendship and you say or did something that rubbed the other person the wrong way and you were not aware that you did it or said it and now all of a sudden when you when you you say something that rubs the person the wrong way now all of a sudden the person goes well at least i'm not the one that walks around with toothbrush in the pocket and they just throw a passive aggressive jab and they know that that toothbrush in your pocket it's kind of like a security blanket type of thing there's an insecurity going on with that and all of a sudden they they just throw that jab at you that's like a passive aggressive way of saying i'm pissed off at you and i got a problem with you but i don't want to have this difficult confrontation and um and deal with this this conflict that arose so i'm just going to throw a passive aggressive jab at you and then you were like whoa i was really low man like what's going on have i offended you have i crossed the line have i done something that i shouldn't have done and then that person's just like you ain't done nothing but they're just still giving you the cold shoulder silent treatment passive aggressive jabs they don't want to talk to you that person's engaging in conflict avoidance they 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 refuse they shy away from the difficult conversations 
and it's obvious they have resentment and some unresolved issues with you, but they don't even want to address them. You don't want to be in that kind of relationship because that's the kind of relationship where now all of a sudden you feel like you have to walk on eggshells. You feel like you cannot be yourself and you don't know what mood that person's going to be in. Completely unhealthy. You don't want to be in these kind of relationships. So now that we've got the unhealthy relationships broken down, I'm going to invite you to go visit the blog, fayjoneslive.com. And those of you who may not know how that's spelled, Faye is spelled just F as in Frank, E as in Edward, fayjoneslive.com. Look for this episode, which is episode number three. And in that blog post, in my my blog, you're going to see a section that says dig deeper. And there's going to be a series of questions there that are going to help you in evaluating not only whether or not you have some current relationships that you kind of need to audit, but also a very introspective look at yourself, whether or not you are yourself participating in these kind of behaviors, the unhealthy relationships. Because it would be very hypocritical of us to say that everybody else has the problem and that we don't. Because in the same way other people have the ability to be toxic, we also have the capacity to be toxic ourselves. So it's a two-way street. We need to look at our relationships. We also need to look at how we show up in our relationships with others. So I invite you to do that. And like always, I love to hear your feedback. Send me a message or you know, write in the comment section in the blog below. Let me know what you got away from this. And I can't wait to see you next week on part two of identifying healthy and unhealthy relationships in our lives where we're going to cover what healthy relationships look like and what are some things that you need to consider and look at before you start putting people on the chopping block. Uh, With that said, thank you for tuning in. God bless. Till next week.